Now we give a warm welcome to everyone joining with us for public worship today, both those in the building here and those who are joining with us say, online. Let's begin our worship today by singing to God's praise in Psalm number 1. It's found on page 200 of the Psalter and it's at the beginning of the song. Psalm 1 at the beginning. That man hath perfect blessedness who walketh not astray in counsel of ungodly men nor stands in sinner's way, nor sitteth in the scorner's chair but placeth his delight upon God's law and meditates on his law day and uh, night. We'll sing the whole song to God's praise. Psalm 1 at the beginning. That man hath perfect blessedness. join together in prayer. Let's pray. O Lord, our God, help us to ponder the words of these songs we are singing, because we realize that the teaching of the one we've just sung is that real contentment within a human soul, real blessedness, is found in listening to you, 
and accepting what you offer to us. We have been reminded in that song that the human race today is divided into two very particular groups, the righteous and the wicked. The reality is we are all wicked at one level, born in sin and shapen in iniquity. But the astonishing thing is that wicked people can be made righteous through the gift that Christ bestows upon them. And that is why we are here this day. This is the one day in seven that stands out to remind us that you are the great creator of this vast universe. But not only does it remind us that you are the creator of it, you visited it 2,022 years ago. You lived among us for 33 years. Jesus suffered and died and rose triumphant over the grave and 40 days later (coughs) returned to heaven. But this day isn't just a reminder. This day looks forward to the second coming of Christ. And our earnest prayer is that we will all be part of his great family. Not just on that day, but on this very day. We give thanks this day that it is possible for sinners such as we are to not only be part of the family of Christ, but to be heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Whatever that fully means, who knows? But for those who have grasped something of it, may we never have a thankless spirit. And may we be thankful this day for the family bonds you have given us in this world. And wherever our loved ones might be at this time, across this globe, have mercy upon them. May we all be together in Christ. May we all spend eternity together because we have believed in you and we have trusted in you. Bless Roddy and Hannah who will get married in coming days. We thank you for the institution of marriage, your idea, a great blessing. But we realize that we live in a day and age where there are those who are just absolutely bent on destroying your marriage, your institution. We remember others who will be married who belong to this congregation in coming days, Rachel and Charlie, Fraser and Tracy. Bless them all, we pray. We thank you for the sound of little voices in our midst afresh this day. Bless the born and the unborn in our midst. We pray, O Lord, that as we gather here, that you would enable us to worship you in a way that is acceptable to you. We could never have imagined this, but you have revealed it to us in your word, that a human being can stir the heart of God to such an extent that his or her worship can be like a pleasing aroma in your presence but your word also reveals that our worship can be a stench as well help us today to worship you in spirit and in truth remember those in our midst who are mourning the loss of loved ones help them to adjust to the new situation that they find themselves in remember others who have been mourning now for a long long time May the end effect of all the difficulties we face be to usher us further under the shadow of the wing of Jesus of Nazareth. And so we ask you to be with us now. Guide us and keep us and bless us all. And all we ask is in Christ's name. Amen. Now, a wee story for the children. In the last two or three days, I can't remember which day it was, I got a phone call from our Sarah. And it was one of these phone calls, face face time, where I, I could see someone, not Sarah, but somebody that was with her. 
And it was a wee boy, I think he's probably about three or something like that. I'll probably get a row when I get home because I've got the, t the age wrong. But anyway, it was a wee boy. And I could see that he was dressed in a Celtic top and Celtic shorts. So I decided to have a wee bit of fun with him. And I started saying things to him to try to wind him up, to get him annoyed. And one, the first thing I said was this. They're not a very good team, Celtic. And he kind of laughed that he didn't agree with me at all. But uh, he kind of laughed amongst, amongst it all. He kind of laughed. And then the next thing I said was this. Ross County are far better than Celtic. And oh, he, he kind of had a wee laugh at that. But uh, he wasn't taking me on at all. He wasn't taking me on at all. But the next thing I tried was this. Blue's a much nicer colour than green. And oh, he wasn't at all chaffed at this at all. He wasn't chaffed at this at all. And then the thing that really got him going was this. <laughs> as soon as I mentioned Rangers, uh, Rangers are, are a far better team than Celtic. Oh, he was, that just kind of blew the fuse. And um, you, see, you see the different connections he was making. Uh, as I tried to wind him up, the, for example, the colours got him going in a way that <clears throat> the first two things didn't. As soon as I mentioned blues, a much nicer colour than green, and then as soon as I mentioned rangers, we we make connections all the time. You know, for example, just now it's summertime. And one of the things, you know, we think, well, nice warm days and uh, sun in the sky, connects that with summer. Um, long days, very little night time, connect that with summer. And one of the things I always connect with summer are these wee birds you call swallows. But for the first year in 36 years of me living in this area, we have no swallows this year. No swallows at all. Whatever has happened to them, I do not know. But I was looking out of the study window last night thinking, this is strange, this. Here we are in the middle of summer, and I'm not seeing these wee swallows darting about all over. They're beautiful birds. They're absolutely beautiful birds. But we don't have them. We don't have them. And you see, we make all these kinds of connections all the time. And I just wonder what kind of connection you make when I use this word, Jesus. What kind of connections do you make? And one of the connections I hope that we really make is this. We are all sinners. We've just been reading and singing a song that speaks about wicked people. We are all wicked in one way or another. But we can be made good by Jesus. And... The song talks about me made righteous, which is, means good in, in a sense. And um, I hope that when we think of the name Jesus and the person Jesus, that we will think and make this connection. He's the one who can take away my sins so that I can enter into heaven in the world after this one. I hope we all, young and old, make that connection today and I hope that we are all here today to worship this Jesus because it's amazing what he's done for people like you and I now let's sing again to God's praise this time it's going to be Psalm number 40 it's found on page 259 of the psalm book and uh, it's at the beginning I waited for the Lord my God and patiently did bear at length to me he did incline my voice and cry to hear. He took me from a fearful pit and from the miry clay and on a rock he set my feet, establishing my way. We're going to sing verses 1 to 5 of Psalm 40. I waited for the Lord my God.
Now let's read God's word as we find it in the prophecy of Malachi and at chapter 3. Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament, at least in this English version at any rate. Malachi chapter 3 and at the beginning of the chapter, Behold, I send my messenger and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant, in whom you believe, in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire, and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. And he will purify the sons of Levi. And refine them like gold and silver. And they will bring offerings and righteousness to the Lord. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old. And as in former years. Then I will draw near to you for judgment. I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired worker in his wages, the widow and the fatherless, against those who thrust aside the sojourner and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing. Until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you, so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil, and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. Your words have been hard against me, says the Lord. But you say, how have we spoken against you? You have said it is vain to serve God. What is the profit of our keeping his charge or of walking us in mourning before the Lord of hosts? And now we call the arrogant blessed. Evildoers not only prosper, but they put God to the test and they escape. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them and a book of remembrance was written before him of those who fear the Lord and esteemed his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I may get my treasured possession. And I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. Then once more you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. And you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. 
Remember the law of my servant Moses. The statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Behold I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children. And the hearts of children to their fathers. Lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. <clears throat> Amen and may God bless to us that reading from his word. Let's join together again in prayer. O Lord our God, that passage of scripture gives us great hope. But that passage of scripture also speaks of your justice. You are a God of justice and salvation combined. And if those amongst the human race reject you, there is a knock-on effect. And we have just been reading about it. You will come in judgment. O Lord our God, give us ears to listen to what you're saying. And help us all, we pray this day, to flee to you, the only Saviour. Your command through your prophet Malachi long ago was, Return to me, return to me, return to me. Our confession is that we may have believed in you for a long, long time, maybe decades. But we are so prone to wandering. And we are so prone to becoming absorbed by ourselves. And we are so prone to letting things elapse. May we face up to the realities of who we are and where we are. But may we listen to you also. As you tell us to return to you. Be with us as we explore your word afresh this day. Guide us and keep us. And bless us all and all we ask is in Christ's name. Amen. Now let's sing to God's praise. This time it's in Psalm 119 and it's at verse 169. Psalm 119 at verse 169. It's page 417 of the Psalter. Oh, let my earnest prayer and cry come near before thee, Lord. Give understanding unto me according to thy word. Let my request before thee come. After thy word me free, my lips shall utter praise when thou hast taught thy laws to me. Verses 169 to 172 of Psalm 119. O oh, let my earnest prayer and cry come near before thee, Lord. <coughs>
Now let's turn to the Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 7, and we'll read again at verse 27. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Now let's, by God's enabling, seek to explore something of this area of scripture. We're carrying on in our series on John the Baptist uh, today. You'll remember that John the Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus. He was sent into this world to get people to get ready for Jesus' uh, uh, coming. But you'll also remember that John the Baptist later on in life suffered from what we might call spiritual depression and he sent two of his disciples to Jesus asking the question are you the Christ or should we look for uh, another and uh, the answer was sent back to John the blind receive their sight the deaf hear the lame walk and uh, good news uh, is being preached uh, to the poor when John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind. Someone who would just bend whatever way the wind was blowing. That's not what John the Baptist was about. Did you go back to see someone dressed in soft clothing? A yes man living with those in authority. John was not a yes man. What did you go out to see? A prophet. Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. And this is where our text comes in. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. It's amazing that Jesus, the eternal God, should, from the very beginning of the human race, have given his prophecy remember what prophets are God sends a message to an individual and that individual has to in turn pass it on to the people John most certainly did that he fulfilled his role he was there by the Jordan River saying look at him pay attention behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world and last time we looked at this we saw that this verse that is quoted in Luke chapter 7 and at verse 27 is a quotation from the, from the prophecy of Malachi who, who was there uh, being a prophet 440 to 400 years before Christ was in uh, this, uh, this world and what we want to do today is we want to go back and look at uh, something of the context of what was going on in the days of Malachi. I know we touched on this uh, last Lord's Day, but I want to come back uh, to it. And there are three things I want to take to speak a little bit about today. The first thing is this, what the Lord was saying to people in the times of Malachi because it was exactly the same thing he was saying to people in the times of John the Baptist and it's exactly what God is saying to his people uh, today in the 21st century and it's found in Malachi chapter 3 and at verse uh, 7 from the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them and this is what God says return to me and I will return to you says the Lord of hosts God says return but God was also saying to these people in the days of Malachi repent and we're going to explore a little bit about what repentance is Entails, And the third thing I want to look at today is the word receive. We either receive the message that God gives, 
whether it comes through Malachi or John the Baptist or through Jesus himself, we either receive it or we reject it. So we'll explore these three things today. Return, repent, and receive. Well, we touched on it last week, what the problem was in the days of uh, Malachi. We touched on what the church leadership was like. And the church leadership was corrupt. That's what it was. When God himself gets to the stage that he wants the doors of his dwelling place that he has chosen to be where he is worshipped in spirit and in truth to be slammed shut, there's a problem. There is a problem. And it's a reminder to us of this that we can engage in an outward activity we can engage in an outward religious ritual and it can be an abhorrence to God it can be like a stench before him Noah's worship was not a stench before God when he came out of the ark it was pleasing to God it was like an aroma coming before God and he savoured it and it, it, it moved him and it is utterly astonishing it is utterly astonishing that human beings religious activity can just move the heart of the eternal God but I'm not making that up God has revealed that to us on the pages of scripture the prophecy is given to us is found written on the pages of scripture that's what happened with Noah and our religious activity today even can be a pleasing aroma or it can be a stench and that was the second thing I spoke about on as far as major problems in the land of Israel uh, last week just the worship got to the stage where God is saying I've had enough of it I don't want any more of it and that was very intimately tied up with the church leadership and you know I've said from this pulpit before I could be telling you a load of nonsense from this pulpit how are you going to know whether I'm telling you the truth or not how are you going to know whether I'm just delivering to you pure heresy or not? You see, sometimes you have this attitude, maybe not so much today, but in the past day, oh, the minister said, the minister said, maybe the pendulum has swung too much the other way to, 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 to where the, well, it's just the minister. And, but, but, but if the minister is doing his due diligence, he is taking from the word of God and he is passing on he's taking the prophecy of scripture and he is exegeting from he takes his material from it so what does that mean that means this if you are into scripture you can check out whether what I'm saying or indeed any other minister is saying you can check it out and I do think it is crucial, absolutely crucial, for people to know their Bibles. Perhaps as much at this stage in our history as ever, because we live with just so much change. It seems to be the mantra today, we need change. And sometimes the change is just for change's sake. And it is astonishing how people will adopt and adapt to change. Even within the church. Even when the change is not good. Even when the change is unwholesome. And that's why it is so important for people to get a good grounding in scripture. To be able to say, the minister was wrong in what he said there today. Or the minister was right in what he said. Whatever it may be. 
But these were two of the, of, of, of the major problems. But the other one I touched upon was marriage. The institution of marriage is a great blessing. It's God's idea. And if it is used well and functions well, it's a great blessing. It is a great blessing. Does it have its stresses and strains? Of course it has its stresses and strains. Why does it have so much stress and strain? Because the enemy of our souls knows it's God's idea and it's God's institution. And so it comes under attack. And it is under attack. It is so severely under attack today. You know, Rupert Murdoch, the media baron, was at his granddaughter's wedding in the last couple of days. And uh, I looked at some of the pictures of that wedding. Now I know that human beings have this desire within them to be noticed. And it's amazing what people will do just to get themselves noticed. And in this day and age of walkery, it's amazing what people will do. And if ever there was a walk wedding, it was Rupert Murdoch's granddaughter's wedding. But one of the things that caught my eye was this. Uh, four bridesmaids, all dressed in uh, dresses the same colour and I think probably the shape, low-cut dresses and whatnot. But three of the bridesmaids were female, but one was male, with his beard and his hairy chest in a bridesmaid's dress. And, um, you know, sometimes I think in this world where people are trying to get noticed and trying to be, to be woke, that's one thing. But I ever wonder if the stop and think about how ridiculous it all looks at times but that's not the real problem that's not the real problem the real problem is this the institution of marriage and every other institution that's of God we live in a day and age where we want to just destroy it and we just want to make a mockery of it. There's nothing new under the sun. I guess there's a new degree to the extent that we're going to in the 21st century that wasn't found back in Malachi's day. But it's the same strategy. It's the same strategy. Just destroy it in any old way which you choose. And then there was the problem of social justice. A lack of uh, concern for, you know, the widow. You know, we have our welfare state that looks after people who are vulnerable and who are exposed. No welfare state in Israel in 400 BC. Then there were the fatherless. And uh, then there were those who were just not being paid what they were due to be paid for the work that they did then. There were the migrants, and uh, that was a major problem as well. But then there was the tithing problem. You know, God gave these people so much. And to test their faith, God said, right, I want you to give me back a tenth of what I've given you. It's a test of our faith. He's given it all to them in the first place. He wants a tenth back. Does God need a tenth from anybody? No, he doesn't. The cattle on a thousand hills are mine. You think, well, what on earth does that mean? Well, in those days when that, these words were used, you didn't measure a man's wealth by the gold he had or the silver he had or how much he had in a bank account. You measured it by the animals he had. And so it's basically saying God's very wealthy. It all belongs to him. It all belongs uh, to him. You know, I've got a couple of, uh, of nephews out in, um, in Australia just now. And one of them, in recent days, was talking to a, a farmer out in 
a farmer's son out, out in, in, in Australia and uh, he began to ask about the farm and what size was the farm and he said oh, it's just a small farm really and he said how many cattle have you got 30,000 you know a farmer around here if he's got 100, 120 cattle that's a biggish farm 30,000 and every one of the 30,000 belongs to God and that's only one farm but God says I want you to give me a tenth back now it's not as if God's not going to reward that tenth coming back he rewards it and he rewards it and he rewards it. but they were saying we can't give you a tenth we need that ourselves now would we blame God if in that context where the priesthood is corrupt where the worship is not acceptable where marriage is being destroyed where social just injustice is prevalent and where the tithing to God is basically non-existent would you blame God if God said okay you do your own thing I'm going to wash my hands on you I don't want you anymore would you blame God if that's what he said but the astonishing thing is this that's not what God says to them from the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them so it's all over but that's not what God's saying this is what he's saying return to me and I will return to you says the Lord of hosts and so Malachi's cry is this this is the message of God to you return, return, return and that's the message of John the Baptist and that's still the message because this is God who changes not we've just read that in the passage it's because I don't change that you're not consumed and you know it is just so easy even for believers to wax and wane and grow cold and to wander away for one reason or another and see when you wander away and you get into that rut it's hard getting back and one of the things that makes it hard is this that you start thinking well I can't go back and of course that's what the enemy of your souls wants you to think but what is God's view on it this is the astonishing thing this God is saying return, return, return but this is the God also who through John the Baptist is saying repent and indeed through Malachi is saying uh, repent we go to Matthew and at uh, chapter 3 and uh, at verse 2 this is what we we read I'll read from the beginning now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king wise men came from these saying behold where is he who has been born a king of the Jews and then further on in those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea repent for the kingdom of heaven is at a hand but what on earth does that word mean to repent it comes from a Greek word that basically means to do an about turn if you're facing north and you do this metanoio you face south it's to do an about turn and I think there are at least three major elements to repentance the first major element is this recognition a repenting person is someone who recognizes sin for what it is you know we can be so much in denial about ourselves and things going on in our lives we just put our head in the sand and we pretend it doesn't exist and we try to get on with life 
in that kind of way. A person who's repenting is not head in the sand. A person who is repenting sees the sin and sees the rebellion for what it is and is not ducking and is not diving anymore. But the person who is repenting doesn't, doesn't see the sin because sometimes people can see it and they're not going to do anything at all about it. There is a second element to repentance. And that is regret. And it's a sorrowful regret. And I want to make a very important distinction here. The distinction between regret and remorse. Because remorse is not part of repentance. Remorse is when we are pained because of the consequences of our sin. Where there is repentance, there is pain and there is regret. Not because of the consequences, but because of the sin itself. And that's a vital distinction. That's a vital distinction. But there's a third element as far as I can see to repentance. And that is this. Rejection of sin. A repenting person recognizes the sin. A repenting person weeps over the sin and recognizes it uh, for, 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 what it, for what it is. There's a real regret there. But there's also a rejection. I want rid of it. Now I think I have to put a caveat in there as well. Because the, real, the reality of life as a believer is this. You are a new creature in Christ. And the new, and the new creature repents. It recognizes sin. It... Um, it uh, regrets the sin and it rejects it. But there's still an element of that old man in you that just wants to go down the road of sin as well. And that battle goes on and goes on and goes on. But here is John the Baptist and he's basically saying to them, as was Malachi, repent. It's a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. And that is the glory of the gospel. That there is forgiveness on the part of Jesus to the repenting person. But I want to say something about my third heading which is to receive. This is where we have options. God can say to us in the midst of all our waywardness, I want you to come to me. Return to me. God can tell us to repent. But we have a decision to make whether we're going to receive God's word or not. And this is where it gets absolutely uh, crucial. This is where it gets absolutely crucial. John the Baptist was somebody who listened to God's word, who acknowledged God, who bowed before the authority of God's word and saw Jesus for the Savior who he really was. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I'm not saying his life wasn't rocked further down his Christian experience. It was, as will be your life and mine if we are believers. But at the end of the day, here is a man who is listening to God and receiving God's revelation. And there were many others whom he preached to. And they did the same as he did. They bowed before the authority of God's word. They accepted what God said. 
They did return. They did repent. Because they received what God was saying to them. But not everybody did. Not everybody did. And we do know that John the Baptist was in prison in that dungeon because of what Herodias and Herod the king were saying and doing. Herodias listened to John the Baptist. So too did King Herod. He had some kind of admiration for John the Baptist. He listened to him and he had given him some kind of recognition. But at the end of the day, it wasn't what God was looking for. How do we know that? Because ultimately he had John the Baptist beheaded. That's how we know that. That's how we know that. In that great event that Herod had, in which he was showing off to so many of the dignitaries of his land, and he promises Herodias' daughter Salome anything up to the half of his kingdom. Never for one second thinking she's going to ask for John the Baptist's head and a charger. But then he's told. And it's time for backing down. And backing off. If ever there was a moment for that. But his heart was deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And he wasn't for backing off at all. And his ego will win the day. And John the Baptist is beheaded. Because he does not receive the message that has come from God. And here we are in the 21st century. The message is the same as Malachi's day. It's the same as John the Baptist's day. It's this. We have gotten so many things so wrong. But this God is saying return. Return, return. What this God is looking for is repentance on our part. He's looking for us to recognize sin for what it is. He's looking for a godly sorrow that really regrets the sin and a total rejection of it. But he's only going to get that if we receive his word and therein lies the major question are we receiving it today or are we not there's only two boats to be in we were singing about these things in our very first song today we're either amongst a group that are wicked still or we're amongst a group that are righteous we can only be made righteous through what Jesus can do for us. That's only ever going to happen to us if we receive his word to us. May God grant that every last one of us would receive the words that he gives to us as a human race. And that we would return. And that we would repent. And that we would be found safe in him for time and for eternity. Amen. Let's sing to God's praise in Psalm 119 at verse 173. It's page 415 of the Psalter. At verse 173, let thy strong hand make help to me. Thy precepts are my choice. I long for thy salvation, Lord, and in thy law rejoice. To the end of the psalm, let thy strong hand make help to me.
now may grace, mercy and peace from Father, Son and Holy Spirit rest on and abide with each one both now and forevermore.